Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs of the Club, your University of Idaho affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined by... I'm going to do a change-up because <laughs> producer, seducer, Martin Heemstra was doing something that... I, well, it wasn't producing, so it must be seducing. Martin, in Moscow, brick wall in the background. I understand, I understand the metaphor. No need to explain. How's it going, man? It's going great. It was another. It was cold, snowy Moscow, but it's warming up now. It's a new day in Moscow. Vandal basketball now that the tournament's over. It's just good to be back on the show. Again. That is great news. It'll be great when that guest paper is gone too. Good news. Okay, uh, Dallas, you're in Spokane. You're wearing a Mercedes hat. How's it going? Uh, it's fantastic, Brian. I just came back from Portland uh, last night. Got to see my favorite band of all time playing in my favorite venue of all time. So great night last night. We're here talking about Vandal basketball and Zach Kloss is only going to come up in passing of like, ha ha, holy shit. Thank God that's over. It's a new day, man. I'm fucking excited. Well, I need to ruin your new day for a couple minutes, guys. Look, the, we're going to spend um, just a few minutes. Idaho season's over. Lost in the Big Sky Commerce Tournament. We're going to hit that real quick. The overwhelming majority of this is going to be talking about the coaching search. That's what everyone's here for. But just want to put a button on the 2022-23 season, which we're going to do in uh, Around the Bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. And yeah, uh, Mark Hammer. Already, I got to say, man, our comment section has been kicking ass right off right off the bat the last couple episodes. You already have Captain 58. Who is the golden veggie? Find out on all new episodes of Tubs of the Club. Then Mark Shrivelpiece, our favorite owner of our favorite bar or the only owner of our favorite bar hammer drinking smart water doesn't make you smart and you know what uh did some research mark's right i have no pushback i mean everybody here knows that i'm the loudest dumbest one here so i figured i'd try it it's not working i'll keep trying it but not not a great advertisement for smart water here okay uh so to keep this quick on closing the season martin Please feel free to jump in and tell us to shut up if we are approaching anything beyond five minutes. So, uh, look, Idaho's final game of the season, first round of the Big Sky Conference Tournament, essentially a play-in game against number nine, NAU. Idaho goes down 87-76 in a game coached by Tim Marion, acting head coach Tim Marion. Uh, 0-1-4 for the season. Well, 0-1 for his head coaching career. Um, Idaho was led by Isaac Jones, 23 points on nine of 15 shooting, picked up five rebounds. Nigel Burris had his season, meaning his Vandal career high, scoring 21 points on seven to 10 shooting, seven rebounds. Nice. By the way, uh, finally nice to see Burris get a few more touches too. Uh, Devontae Moffitt added 15 for Idaho on 15 shots, but uh, clearly wasn't enough. Jalen Jalen Cohn led NAU uh, with 25 points on 12 attempts. So look, Dallas, First, anything noteworthy for we all would have picked Idaho to lose this game anyway. Uh, anything noteworthy from Idaho's last game to cover? I mean, honestly, the the Nigel Burris thing was probably the biggest thing. We don't know what the team's going to look like next year. Obviously, the Kloss era was just rife with turnover every single year, so it's it's tough to anticipate. Like, oh yeah, Isaac Jones and Nigel Burris will absolutely be back. We'd love to see them, but realistically, no one knows what's going to happen here. But seeing Nigel Burris kind of un get unlocked, getting a, a little bit more consistent touches. Again, only had 10 shots and then six free throws. So you know, took 12, 13 shots there. 
considerably more than he's ever gotten and had his best game as a Vandal. Uh, looked very good, very promising for the future if he comes back. Again, nobody knows what the, the roster's going to look like next year, but that, Brian, to me, that was the only takeaway. It was pretty much the same shit we saw from Zach Kloss. Devontae Moffitt dribbling the ball too much. Most of the guys just kind of standing around. I mean, Rashad Smith, three shots. Dom Ford, two shots. Trey Smith, two shots. Yusuf Sali did get four shots, but you know, it was nice to see Burris take a little bit of the shots from Jones and Moffitt and look like a real good piece, but that was the only thing I really took away from that, Brian. You're muted, Brian. For the love of God, I, I'd gone so many weeks because we hadn't had, had episodes. I'd, I'd gone a little bit of time thought doing that. Look, you look, you brought up Jones, Burris, Moffitt combined for 40 of Idaho's 51 total attempts, which is... Uh, I don't really care to parse it too much. The, honestly, the biggest story for me, Idaho-wise, is in a statement of solidarity, the three assistant coaches for Idaho, Tim Marion, Jeremy Hart, and Kenny Tripp, all wore uh, Nevada colors on the sideline while being paid and working for University of Idaho. Um, it was def- definitely, pretty obviously, a statement of solidarity. Um, my takeaway there is... Honestly, at this point, thank you. Um, And the reason I say that is there was only like a 0.00001% chance that Golic would even consider someone on the current current coaching staff. I mean, she made that pretty clear in her press conference when one of the – some reporter asked what Marion had to do to make a claim for the job. And Golic looked – Golic looked at that reporter the way Paul Petrino looked at me the first time I asked him about King Spud. And so, look, at that point, if you were concerned about dipping down into the assistance, you could – you can exhale. That was your Xanax. But if you're anxious about that, look, there's no way any of those guys are going to be coming back unless the next coaching staff says they want one of the guys. So, um, you know, online, uh, there's a decent amount of people are a little bit annoyed uh, that we interact with. We're a little bit annoyed by the protest. I, like, I'm kind of with you. Like, they're still getting paid. None of the, especially, especially Zach Kloss is not a victim. He's going to, he's he got $600,000 to win 28 games in four years. Uh, he's he's going to be doing fine. The the rest of the coaching staff they're going to be paid through the rest of their contracts. I hope they land somewhere, of course. But uh, that was kind of the takeaway from the Idaho end. Moving on to the Big Sky Conference itself, Dallas. A uh, little little surprise in the conference tournament. NAU. Well, well hey, maybe, maybe we should have known NAU is going to go on a run after they beat Idaho. But Northern Arizona blew up their side of the bracket as the nine seed, beating Eastern Washington, number one Eastern Washington in the second round on a buzzer beater, 81-80, then beating number four Montana, 83-71 in the semifinals before falling in the championship game, 85-78. Montana State kind of walked through their side of the bracket, although to me the real championship was the semifinal, Montana State beating Weber State 60 to 58 in double overtime. No, that's not a verbal typo. That was a 60 to 58 game in two overtimes. Dallas, uh, any takeaways from the Big Sky Conference tournament as a whole, from which Montana State will be representing the Big Sky in the NCAA tournament? I mean, honestly, Brian, my takeaway is God fucking damn it, Terry Golick. Why did we piss away four years of Idaho basketball? You That NAU team was not a good basketball team, Brian. I, I cannot find anything to say that's particularly nice about them on anything other than an individual player effort they went 12 and 23 this year and they made it to the big sky conference championship like i idaho could have done that if idaho hadn't been 
committed to being the worst program in the big sky. I mean, obviously the nine ten is a it's a rough look when the nine beats the ten by double digits and then goes on to the championship game. I'm not saying Idaho could have done that with a, a slightly better coach in around, but the number nine seed in a terrible basketball conference made it to the championship purely on just kind of getting hot at the right time. Idaho, I believe, had more talent than than NAU did, and it's it's tough to watch this and see. Oh, again, what we've been saying for years: Zach Kloss, not the guy who should be running this team. Holy shit, this is awful basketball over and over and over again. It's just tough to see even a, a mediocre bad instead of just terrible bad team can make it to the conference championship if a couple things go right and. That was never going to be the case with Zach Kloss. Again, never won a tournament game. Yeah, so look, the never winning a tournament game with de facto home court advantage is the takeaway I've hit on a few times. But Mm -hmm. uh, my response is actually, because I'm truly trying pretty hard to just move on and say, look, Kloss era is over. I'm just going to make direct references to, we know the awful four years we talked about. But um, with how NAU made it to the finals, also, with just the, how competitive a good amount of those games are, like you know, it said the 60-58 Montana State win over Weber State in the semifinal. Uh, Montana in their in their second round game beat Idaho State 83-74 in a game that was back and forth, uh, essentially wire to wire. Yes, it was nine points, but it, it was a competitive game. Weber State in their second round game beat Sacramento State by six. They led early, but Sac State closed in. I just bring all those up. Because, look, I've been messaging with a scout, former coach. I, I didn't confirm using the guy's name on there, so I won't. But um, he asked me if I think with the new coach, if Idaho could win the Big Sky the, in their first year. And my response was, at the time, like, you know, probably probably not. But, you know, finishing the top half for sure. And his response was, well, hey, man, look, look at the conference. Look look at how look at how each team did in, in the conference tournament itself probably safe to say Idaho isn't, isn't going to be a favorite next year, but if all of Idaho needs are a few things to go right, because there's not that much difference between teams four and 10 in this conference. And if you can make it into the top four, you're going to have, well, first you're going to be out of the first round. Second, you have a good chance, an okay matchup. You get a you get a play half. If you're a one or two seed, you're playing a team that's not already played. If you're a three or four seed, you're, you're, you're playing the six, six, five seed, but you're, it's not an impossible tournament for a team to make a turnaround and fast, you know, look at Eastern Washington, David Riley in two years, they won the league and then lost in the first round. So even with how good, you know, Eastern was for much of this season, there's not that much. The gap between Eastern and the bottom of the league is not as big as the records would, would indicate uh, Montana state talent wise is different, but some of those guys are graduating. So to me, I'm just going to use this to pivot so we can start talking about the coaching search is there's reason to have expectations for Idaho basketball. Things could turn around the big sky. It's not that big a difference between where everyone is with one asterisk. I got to, Hey Dallas, we put you on the shelf for a minute, then bring back in, talk about the coaches. I want to give a little background to the coaching info. We do know right now, which is one, you know, Terry Golick is going with Bullsby sports advisors as the, um, as a search, the search firm, the search firm is not the search committee. The search firm helps to elicit names and to uh, filter names, both for quality of applicant and level of interest of the applicant so that Idaho can make more serious gestures towards people who appear to be more seriously into the program for themselves. Um, Second, 
to our knowledge, interviews, round one interviews have already started. So I expect this coaching hire to take a little bit less time than the Jason Eck one. And look, I got one thing I got to hit on Dallas. Indefensible decision to me by Terry Golick that is going to speed up this process now, which will not be an indefensible decision. Because Zach Kloss was a lame duck and everyone knew he was a lame duck, Idaho has no one signed for this year's class. So we know there's four guys who are going to graduate. You can do just basic math that on average, at least two to three guys are going to transfer as well. Our last few seasons, about half the roster is transferred. This coach is, is going to have to put together a class. And he's the new coach is going to have to try to recruit guys like Isaac Jones and Nigel Burris to stay. Guys like Dom Ford to stay. Uh, I don't think they're going to have to recruit the red shirts to stay because they'll probably not have a ton of other D one options, but this team is not going to rise in the big sky at this point because of a red shirt. You know, I, I don't think the red shirts this year were strategically held back so that Idaho has more talented freshmen next year. I, I think Zach Claus emptied his clip. It, it was just empty. So there is some work that has to take place, but if interviews have already started, if, preliminary interviews already started this week dallas it's reasonable to think a hire is going to come in not that long so hey that part good news for Golic, and also good news for Golic. uh bullsby sports advisors is very well viewed reputationally especially with basketball hires they're kind of a boot they're more of a boutique uh firm in, the, in that they don't do a ton of searches each season um, online kyle bullsby and you can follow him he's he actually talks a decent amount on twitter and says some interesting, interesting stuff in terms of coaching um, he says they do about four searches per season. They're not a gigantic shop. They try to do well. If you're thinking, hey, that name Bullsby sounds familiar. Kyle's father, Bob Bullsby, is the former Big 12 commissioner. So when you go with, I, I talked, look, I talked to an, AD, an athletic director in the Big Sky off the record for some background on Bullsby. And um, that athletic director had only positive things to say and said one of the benefits of going through Bullsby is that you get the connections of his father as well. So that's kind of our background. And now we're going to go through some candidates that we are, we've received reasonable information on and we're going to tier it. The way we're going to go through the candidates is we're going to go through relative to degree of certainty or a degree of confidence we have in the information about the candidates. Now preface, just like football, when we did the football episodes, um, we're not, I would not call this breaking news that we're talking about. I'd say, look, we're, we have different people who give us different tips. So we're going to talk about things in terms of, confidence that we have um some of the stuff is look this is not stuff that we would we would print we're we're just talking about information that we've been given we're obviously not on the committee but these are we're not a mat this is not an imaginary article like that very first tubs at the club uh coaching list that was published a while during the coaching search these the only names we're, we're bringing up are people who we reasonably have been told this guy applied or this guy has shown interest or idaho has shown interest in this guy and with that said dallas um, I'm ready to start going through the coaching list. And I think, look, a lot of Vandals are going to be familiar with the first name that we should start with. Well, and um, Brian, they're going to be familiar because we talked about this last year when we thought, though this is a no-brainer move to move on from Zach Kloss, that buyout is small enough that by the time he takes his job with Danny Sprinkle, that buyout is covered. Scott Garson is who we're going to talk about first, right, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. And look, Dallas, you've been on the shelf. So I want to kick it to you to talk about Scott Garson, but I, I just want to preface. I want, I pick, I want to go through Garson first because to me in a positive sense, Scott Garson is the Mendoza line applicant. Uh, and, and by the way, our degree of confidence with these first three guys is 
I feel confident gambling a paycheck that these guys have applied for the first three. I view Garson as the Mendoza line candidate because he checks a couple boxes of head coaching experience and good assistant coaching experience. But with that, Dallas, you take it away. Brian, I, I honestly, so in, in the list of all the coaches that we're about to talk about here, I think Scott Garson is the one that excites me the most. Um, for anybody that's not not able to read, uh, Martin's got his bio from, he's currently at Santa Clara. He's got the Santa Clara bio uh, up on the website. But uh, Scott Garson, previously head coach at College of Idaho. So again, he's got some head coaching experience. It's not D1, but I mean, he won 28 games, 30 games, 17 games, 24 games, 30 games. Uh, took College of Idaho in his final season to the Fab Four. So he's he's had success at the D2 level, or NAIA D2 level, I should say. Uh, before that, he was one of Ben Howland's top assistants at UCLA for almost 10 years. And there, that's what that's the big one to me, Brian. The guy coached Russell Westbrook. He coached Kevin Love, Zach Levine. He's He has recruited some incredible talent, and he's coached some incredible talent that were not only incredible college guys, but also incredible NBA guys. I'm not saying that all of a sudden we're going to have some lottery picks coming through Idaho if Scott Garson ends up getting the job here. But everywhere the guy's gone, he has succeeded. Santa Clara, I got to give you credit for doing the research on this one. Uh as an assistant, he focuses on offense and player development, as well as obviously recruiting. That's what, I mean, just about every assistant has to do that at this level. In the last two seasons, their offense has been top 25 in the nation in pace of play. That that excites me a lot, Brian. We've we've obviously seen Zach Kloss's teams can score pretty well, but that's because they can't defend at all they had to score. Getting a coach in here who's play, who has coached NBA talent and knows how to run an offense, this is the one to me that, could not be more thrilled about, about Scott Garson as the coach if he ended up getting the job. Yeah, Garson, I, I'm stoked about the idea of Scott Garson. He's also, look, at his time as a head coach. And look, this is the thing, um, Kyle Bolsby on Twitter, and I think he deleted the thread because I tried to find it to repost it, um, had a thread earlier about a week ago where he described his philosophy with helping schools find coaches. And he he's open about the idea that, look, it, there's a there are certainly some assistant coaches from high majors who become good head coaches. But when you're grabbing a guy who does not have collegiate coaching experience, you are gambling, especially that first year, you're gambling that he's going to be together in a way that you don't actually have evidence to say he will. And look, Scott Garson did great at, at College of Idaho. Most recent se- most recent season at College of Idaho, like I said, 2017, 2018 went 18 and two in conference, uh, 30 and seven overall finished no worse than fourth in their conference in three of his five years. They won the conference. So look his for what it's worth at that level, which is different than big sky Garson seems to well. And then the second thing that I, that to me, I care about is with a lower major coach, you become a little, little anxious or sorry, a lower level coach. You might become a little anxious about what is going to be their recruitment pipeline if they've spent time recruiting at lower schools, I'm going to talk about Ryan Looney at Idaho state who has not done a terrible job at Idaho state, but it clearly has taken him a few years to find out what his best, his best routes for recruitment are going to be. He clearly looked like he wanted to have a heavy JC influence, but then um, when there's a, you know, that whatever the fallout was between him and Jared Fay, that seemed like it was torpedoed. And now he seems to have found his footing, but like he's in year four, just like Zach Kloss, 
uh, and finished eight and 10. And I bet it, look, that's Idaho state. It's a different subtext, but everyone here is going to say, look, we're, we're hoping the guy can look solid within the first couple of years. Obviously grace gets extended to a new coach, but Garson also has that the California background at multiple schools that multiple schools have done well to explain where he knows how to recruit and where he probably has background to bring some guys to make a difference immediately. Kind of like Travis DeCure did when he came to Montana, he had a handful of guys he'd recruit. He'd attempted to recruit at Cal who just didn't just didn't end up making it to Cal. Well, those are some of the big guys he brought in this first two years at university of Montana to, you know, get, take them to the tournament the uh, couple of times he did. So Scott Garson to me, look, I'm going to be comparing all these, every applicant now gets compared to Garson until someone knocks him off because uh, like the other thing too, man, if Garson is want is wanting to come to Idaho, University of Idaho, the way we've been told for multiple years, this is a guy who's fine coming from big city to Moscow, Idaho. He's fine, or maybe even wants to come from California to Idaho. We know if a guy does well, he's not going to stay forever in Idaho, Dallas, but that the idea that, Hey, maybe that gets us, if he's good, that gets us an extra year or so kind of like Montana state for different reasons, getting an extra year or so out of Danny Sprinkle than they would have otherwise that makes Garson promising too, but man, we got to hit other candidates. Dallas, can you tell us a little bit about another guy who, again, I bet a paycheck that this guy has, a, that has applied for, I can't say for a fact, I haven't talked to the guy. I don't have two sources, but <laughs> Andy Hill. Yeah. Andy Hill, another He's actually resume very similar to Scott Garson, just without the head coaching experience. Andy Hill is currently an assistant at Montana State. It's his first year there. Before that, he had a year at New Mexico. But before that, he spent 10 years under Larry Kay at Utah. I'm not going to pronounce that. Because, see, I, I couldn't get that out of my life dependent on I He's been around forever, and I've never been able to pronounce his name. Anyways, Andy Hill was a 10-year assistant at Utah, responsible for their defensive schemes, and recruiting and scheduling. Uh, when he was there, he developed three straight first-round picks. Uh, DeLon Wright, Jacob Puddle, Kyle Kuzma all came through. All all three of those guys had a decent enough impact in the NBA. None of them were obviously incredible superstars. But again, the same thing of seeing a, a guy who was a decade-long assistant in a power, power program and did very well. But they had five straight 20-win seasons. I know that Utah basketball has kind of slipped in the last six years or so. But... At the start of that tenure, they had five straight 20-win seasons. They were top four in the Pac-12 five different times. They made it to the NAT three straight times, uh, excuse me, three years out of four, and then had NCAA tournament in there as well. Runner-up in the NIT, Sweet 16 back in 2015. A uh, lot of like really good experience on Andy Hill's resume, just no head coaching job. But what Andy Hill brings to this, Brian, is that he's been an assistant at Whitworth here in Spokane. He's been an assistant at LCSA. Uh, he's been at Eastern. He's been at Montana. He knows the big sky. It's been a while. I mean, we're talking the, the Montana team that won a tournament game in 2006. Andy Hill was on that staff. It's been a while. But the guy has been in this conference before and succeeded at this conference before. Yeah, one of the things I like about Andy Hill is the depth of assistant background because, like, you, I mean, you talk about the Northwest schools, the big sky schools, but also, you know, he spent time in New Mexico, spent time in the Pac-12. So that's a guy who, for mo much of his career, probably was involved in recruiting. My understanding is in his time at Montana State, he's been able to do a little bit more of, like, the game coaching with Danny Sprinkle that he wasn't able to do as much at his, at his other stops. But we we hit on this earlier year one for Idaho to be solid. They're, they're going to have to sign some guys. There's going to be honestly like a, 
the basketball roster within a couple of weeks might look like the volleyball roster today. So there's going to be some roster spots that Idaho's got to pick up. Andy Hill's got a background in a ton of places to help explain how he could help fill those. And I want to focus a little bit more on this time. Um, one with Larry Kristowiak. He was with Kristowiak, Kristowiak at University of Montana as well. That 06 team was coached by Larry Kristowiak. So he's been on multiple successful Big Sky rosters. And that's you know part of where Hill would have gone from Utah to to from Montana to Utah with Kristowiak. So a lot of time with a guy who Kristowiak was a very good Big Sky coach. Now Danny Sprinkle's a very good Big Sky coach. And uniquely, um, Montana State under Danny Sprinkle has had a kind of different approach to filling out their roster in that look, they do what a ton of schools do and they get a couple transfer guys, you know, like a uh, Raekwon battle transferred from university of Washington. That was a big get for them. Robert Ford backup point guard transfer from Idaho state, but that's a couple guys who are solid, who are either stars or role players on the team. They've got their four-year guys. You know, Jabril Bello is an example. He'll actually get on twice. Um, great Osibor is, is younger, but Hey, you know, he's a traditionally recruited guy out of high school, but then Montana state has been very good at getting international players who are under recruited and also athletically pretty good relative to, to lots of big sky teams Like Jabril Bello and great Osibor are both, both from, from uh, great Britain, both are posts who are not only big, but good athletes. And you just have, you have to imagine that both those guys are going to get to Montana state relative to their size, skill and athleticism. It's because Montana State was able to find guys that other places weren't looking for. And other big sky schools have used the international recruitment model to buttress the roster as well. Some of Eastern Washington's most recent success under Jim, Hay Jim Hayford and Shante Leggins prior to David Riley involved international guys. I mean, the all-time big sky leading scorer, Bogdan Blisniak. Well, he was overtaken by um, Tyler Hall, I believe. But anyway, uh, Bogdan Blisniak. He's Ukrainian. He's a four-year. He was a six-man his first year at Eastern, then started for the next three. Uh, Felix von Hoff was a pretty big role player on that. Vanky Joyce between the before the two of them. Yeah, Vanky. Well, Vanky Joyce on that 2014-2015 team as well. So look, that's another school where if you're getting guys like that, it's because your head coach is able. He he knows where to find guys that are being under recruited by bigger schools that probably get them. So that to me is promising. You look at a guy like Andy Hill. Uh, you're right. He doesn't check the head coaching box, so there will be that bit of a gamble. But um, with the background Andy Hill has. He's a guy I'd feel, I'd feel pretty stoked. If the announcement today was Andy Hill's new head coach, University of Idaho, um, I, I'd be stoked on the Andy Hill on the Andy Hill era starting. Um, I wouldn't necessarily rate him above Scott Garson, but I these are two guys we're talking about so far that, again, I'd be stoked as hell. We also know there's a ton of guys we're not going to name, so I just want us to enunciate that. This is, of course, not an exhaustive list. This is the best information we could get. Um, let's talk about Jace Harrell, who this is the – the third guy who I'd be willing to bet a paycheck has applied to this position. Uh, Dallas, what do you know about Jace Harrell? Jace Harrell's actually maybe made one of the more intriguing candidates on this list. Um, he does have ties to Larry Eustachie, and I think that's probably where some of the interests, if if he has applied and if Idaho happens to have interest, I think that's probably where some of this comes from. Uh, but he was at Colorado State under Eustachie was actually named on Under Armour's 30 under 30 list of top up and coming under 30 basketball assistant coaches. And he's obviously in his early 30s now, but still a pretty cool honor to have been mentioned on that at some point. 
Uh, he ended up being the interim head coach there. So he has a tiny bit of experience. He won one game out of the six that he coached. Uh, they've made it to an NIT. But realistically, he's been at Missouri State the last four years now. Uh, they made it to the NIT last year. They finished top three in their conference a couple different times. Uh, the big thing with with Jace Hurl is that he has he does have junior college head coaching experience. He doesn't have any four-year schools, but he does have a little bit of a history starting a program. Northwest Kansas Technical College. Never heard of it before, but he was the very first head coach in program history. He won 56 games in three years there. Uh, won three games against top 25 schools. All of his sophomores ended up going to, to four-year schools. Five of them went to D1. So he, he has some success as a head coach, Brian. He probably has the the shortest resume of any of these guys that we are maybe, uh, maybe we'd qualify these as the ones we are most confident in that have applied for the job. Jace Hurl's probably the one with the shortest resume, but he's also the youngest guy, probably the guy who's hungriest. I couldn't find anything about his specific duties he does at Missouri State. Brian, maybe you have a little bit more information, but again, the guy's pretty young. He's coached a player of the year in the Mountain West. He does have head coaching experience. It's just at a junior college, not to say that that's a bad thing, but his resume is considerably shorter than the two guys we've talked about so far. Yeah, he... So the, the situation, too, at Missouri State is um, it's a little interesting uh, because the head coach, Dana Ford, might be on his way out. Uh, he's being investigated for like sexual misconduct, stuff like that, which, um, of course, hey, that, that can partially explain some of the instability that led Missouri State to being like 17, 15, 17 and 15 this year, which is you know, a step back from the year before. Um, but, no, I mean, look, you, you hit on the main points of – Look, any younger candidate, and look, now this is going to be a question, Dallas, that people that we can go back and forth on. Um, I'm going to compare Hurl to Andy Hill right now because I feel pretty good about Andy Hill. But you look, you do have a quest, you might have a question at some point of, hey, if a guy's been assistant at a ton of places and he's good, why has he not yet become a head coach? Because look, some people, some people are assist, should be assistant coaches. That's where they're at. And some people just, it takes a long time to crack into the business and you get, you get the job you get. And it, it takes it, some people, it takes a long time to move up. And some people are right place, right time. You know, look at Leonard Perry who flit, who did terrible at Idaho. Well, he's head coach at Pacific because he became interim and was in the right place at the right time. If Pacific opened their job up and Leonard Perry had applied, he probably doesn't get, get the job. That's just to give context about why there we don't know how to answer if a guy has been assistant for a long time is it because he hasn't had the right opportunity or is it because because he just shouldn't be a head coach you know dallas and the coaching in our football episodes you would have probably said hey brent peace is an example of i think i know why this guy has not become a head coach i don't think there's any reason to bracket andy hill that way but i just bring that up because jay you you said it jace harrell's younger so there are going to be a, a couple you know, a couple of holes, but there's been some younger coaches in the big sky who've done great. I mean, look at the top two coaches in the big sky. Their resumes are not that long. It's uh, David Riley is essentially his big experience. We'll hit on it was at Eastern Washington. And then Danny Sprinkle, he coached a couple of California schools was at Fullerton for their NCAA tournament run as an mm -hmm. assistant. He was passed up by Montana state when Montana state hired Brian fish, then Montana state said, Hey, you know what? We're not going to make that mistake again. But the resume itself, there's not that many stops. Does that – and Danny Sprinkle's obviously done fine. A lot of this is a crapshoot. Jace Harrell, to me, hits some of those Kyle Bowlesby points of head coaching experience that, that was pretty solid. And he's got a 
couple assistant coaching stops that are solid as well. Like Johnny Ballgame is going to hold that Larry Eustachie connection in his heart uh, pretty closely. Uh, but, you know, he he's probably a little bit more of a mystery because we also just don't co- – covering D1 basketball and comparing institutions is harder than covering like FCS football because there's 364 D1 teams. It, it's just very hard to know all of – the ins and outs of each comparison. Look, honestly, to me, researching the basketball coaching search is harder than the football one because there's more places to know and there's more position, there's more assistant coaching positions and trees to know than in football. It's just how the two sports are different. So, um, Jason Harrell is another guy who, if he's name, if he were hired, I'd be intrigued for sure. Um, my reaction would not be disappointment whatsoever. Um, I would be stoked to see what's coming next. I would assume if Jace Harrell was the guy who's picked, it's because he rose above candidates in a way that we on the outside don't know because we're not sitting on the interviews. We know we can expect there's probably going to be at least 100 applicants for this because this is a a lot of people. That arena is going is huge for turning Idaho with its terrible record in the last four years into a spot stop that a lot of coaches think they can either get their career started or get their careers turned around in Idaho. So that that's mostly what I have to say about Jace Harrell. Um, Dallas, before we go into our next tier, of potential applicants. So just fi- filling out these three, how would you rank our Garson Hill Harrell list, list of three most confident applicant, most confident potential hires we believe to, to have applied? For me, Garson is number one. Uh, if we're talking these three guys, I think just looking at the resumes, never having met them before, never having seen realistically like what they can do as a head coach because I didn't watch College of Idaho. I definitely didn't watch Northwest Texas Technical College, Southeast Louisiana State University, whatever the hell the title was of that school. Uh, and Andy Hill's never been head coach. Garson, to me, is the guy that if if we're looking at this list, if Garson's the guy, home run higher. To me, Brian, I would actually probably be more excited about Jace Hurl than I would be Andy Hill. And that's simply because I I have long believed Idaho basketball, the way to turn Idaho basketball into a like successful program is to do the same thing that Eastern is doing. Get uh, I know that Shantae Leggins and Jim Hayford weren't necessarily younger coaches. They were more getting the first opportunity there. I want to see Idaho giving younger guys, younger guys that deserve it, I should say, that aren't promoted off of the the final assistant spot from the coach that had just been fired. I want to see Idaho giving, giving good coaches the chance to start their career. I think that is the way for Idaho basketball to cement itself as a player in the big sky is to get a young guy in and just start putting a tree together. If that means there are assistants there that end up getting promoted as guys move on. Great. If it means, Hey, Jace Hurl's here for three years and Holy shit. He went and got a, I don't know, a Boise state, level job of like oh wow it's a pretty big step up three years from now congrats i would much rather be in the position of looking to hire a new coach because the previous one was successful rather than holy shit it can't literally get worse than the coach we just had yeah i'm the i'm slightly off on you there i don't think there's a ton of difference between hill or or harold I think it is what you value in their backgrounds more. It's going to dictate those two. And Garson for me of our list of our non-exhaustive list is to me, number one right now. I'd put Andy Hill. And the reason why is I think, I think it's going to be important for Idaho to go from 
terrible to respectable fast. Doesn't have to mean going from terrible to winning the league, but we, Idaho, I think it's important to capitalize on the momentum that exists largely. And I, I'm going to blame this on Jason Eck. There's a lot of energy in the athletic department overall that did, would not exist without the football success and locate okay, credit to the athletic department outreach. Cause that's of course been successful too. You know, like there's institutional stuff that matters that um, university, university of Idaho is doing well at, but I don't think that stuff matters without football energy. And that even, honestly, I think that's part of why the attendance was what it was in basketball for the terrible basketball that Idaho had this year. So I still think there's something that exists that can could turn basketball in the next few seasons into something special, even if it's just a, above 500. I mean, your experience of it being special. And I think that's what's going to matter is recruitment right now. Because especially that first year, man, that guy, the head coach is start, starting essentially from scratch. And they don't have, look, if the, they may have some background with the guys they've recruited at their current school, but relative to their time in Idaho, they'll ha- they'll be starting completely blank slate. And it's not going to be like football where the job is to recruit most of the guys to be stable and step up with the talent. It's there's a couple guys Idaho's going to want to keep and everyone else is going to probably going to be control delete. So I think Andy Hill is in better position recruitment wise, just because of his background, but I want to go to our next year, our next year of candidates. And this isn't quality. This is our confidence in the information we have of who the next applicant is, because to me, the next guy we're going to talk about might be the one of the few guys on the list that might knock Scott Garson off that top tier of people we've talked about. And um, you only have to look eight miles over to Washington state to, to see Jim Shaw. He doesn't, he's not quite as young as you talked about with Harold Dallas, but I'm, I'm going to bet you have, there's a handful of things in Jim Shaw's background that make him potentially interesting for the side job. Sorry. I did not realize you were kicking that to me there. I just apparently forgot that I'm also a host of the show. Uh, so obviously guys, uh, if anybody has followed Wazoo basketball, because they're right next to Idaho, uh, people have a tendency to pay attention to them because they're the, the power school next to Idaho. Wazoo basketball has been really bad for a really long time. And then Kyle Smith came in and realistically saved that program from Ken bone and just the really rough decade of basketball there. Um, Jim Shaw came in as the associate head coach a couple years ago. Obviously Kyle Smith has gotten this program Mostly turned around. They unfortunately lost to Oregon today, and any dreams they had of the NCAA tournament went away. But before he was with uh, Kyle Smith at Wazoo, he was the head coach at Western Oregon. Again, another D2 school, very similar to what uh, Scott Garson did. He went 102 wins and 30 losses in four years. He was the conference coach of the year in the GNAC in 2017, 2018, 2016. He made the D2 Final Four. He made a regional final in 2017, and then in 2018, he lost a national title game. So while, again, guy does not have D1 head coaching experience, it's very similar to, to Scott Garson, where he has absolutely succeeded as a head coach. I'm sure, you could say he didn't win the national title, uh, but it's really, really hard to look a whole lot better on a resume than being able to say you made it to a final four, a regional final, and the national title game in back-to-back-to-back years. Pretty incredible stuff. Before that, he was a long-time assistant at Washington. He spent some time at St. Mary's under Randy Bennett. He was at Oregon State way back in the Gary Payton days. Uh, 
he's been around for a long time. Definitely not quite as young as maybe a Jace Hurl, but a, a similar kind of his his resume is very long. Not a ton of stops there. It's been really he stays at one place for for quite a long time, Brian. So yeah, the back the part of his background I like one is again it I I'm fine taking the Kyle Bullsby's word as gospel that being a good head coach at a lower level doesn't mean you're going it's going to tra- translate to a higher level, but it probably means you're not going to be a dumpster fire. So like absolutely fine taking that into account. And then I love I like seeing a guy who has recruitment background at a, a ton of places that have that have been relatively good when he's been there. The St. Mary's one is the one that to me is intriguing because St. Mary's they've essentially established themselves Dallas as like number two team in the West coast conference in a world where Gonzaga is not a preposterous story that no one else in the nation is going to repeat at any level whatsoever. St. Mary's success. If they were in any other conference, they would be understood as the print as the perennial champion or at least contending as a perennial champion they've made the ncaa tournament quite a bit anyway in the shadow of gonzaga so that that stop to me is the one that that kind of jumps out the most but one the fact that the guy would be a d2 coach and because he's a little, little bit older it's another one where in my head it feels like hey if he's good he's probably not bouncing after one or two years not going to be here forever but if he's solid maybe we squeeze an extra couple years out of him at our level and at least establish a little bit more baseline success if things were to work out. But then the multiple Northwest and you know California stops, you can understand how he's been at some places that reasonably Idaho could look to recruit out of. As in, historically, Idaho has been able to pull some guys from Portland. No, he didn't coach in Portland, but coached in, on the western Western coast of the Northwest. Pulling guys from Seattle has been something that Idaho absolutely has done on past teams. And then St. Mary's, you know, they, they kind of pull from all over. They also pull international players as well. Kind of like, like that connection we said with Andy Hill, where you can say, Hey, Jim Shaw, if he's got to fill he's going to have to fill out roughly half a roster and gets, and he's going to have to hit maybe not home runs, but at least some doubles. If Idaho's going to be good next year, well, you can look at his background and say, okay, this is where the dude's got connections. Um, Kyle Smith, like you said, is a he's been he's been pretty dang successful because you full disclosure Dallas um, you're not held to the standard of being a WSU historian or anything but you sold WSU his futility short because it was not just Ken Bone Ernie Kent was pretty dang bad at WSU as well and uh, I didn't Kyle's- mention Ernie Kent because I think that Ernie Kent's entire era was like the Zach Kloss era there was no positive progress there it was just a complete burn of those years. Sorry, yeah, continue, Brent. Well, the reason I bring that up is Kyle Smith immediately turned Washington State into a competitive team. But the other part about Jim Shaw, too, is, look, we're this far away. We have the entire theoretical basketball universe to talk about of um, of coaches, which is to say we don't have to care. We can care. Sorry, we can care this far away of is the guy going to be a slow down coach? Is the guy going to be a fun coach? I think Garson would be a fun coach. I don't know what Jim Shaw would be, but he's worked with a ton of guys who have different philosophies. So you can expect you could expect Jim Shaw is at least going to be interesting to say to say nothing more. We're 46 minutes in, so we got to start going through a few of these guys faster. Next one is a can't guy we have reasonable confidence is interested in the job. Uh, I think we spend less time on him though. Dave Pilipovich, mm-hmm. da, uh, currently assistant coach at New Mexico Dallas, but he's got he's got head coaching background too. Very interesting uh, career for Dave Pilipovich. So. He's 
we're going to cut out from 86 to 20, uh, 2007. I'm just not going to cover any of that. The guy Which is, is to say, if you're listening and not staring at the screen as a viewer, Pilipovich is older. Pilipovich will turn 60 next year. He, he turned 59 this year. It's a little bit older guy. Pilipovich was the assistant, was one of the top assistants at Arizona, at, Arizona, Jesus, Dallas. I'm falling apart. Top assistant at Air Force from 2007 to 2012. Ended up getting promoted to the job, was the head coach at Air Force from 2012 to 2020. Since then, he went to be the special assistant to the head coach at New Mexico. Then he left to go coach in the G League for one year with the Austin Spurs. And now he's back in that same role as the special assistant to the head coach. He's maybe not the flashiest on paper because his head coaching record is 110 wins and 151 losses. He made it to one CIT. He won a game there and then lost a game there. However, this is at Air Force. He is technically the greatest coach in Air Force history. He has, again, he has one winning season. He went 18 and 14 in 2012, 2013, his first year as the head coach. But he made it to the second the CIT, got to the second round. It was the first time they'd ever won a postseason game. He finished ninth or 10th in all but three seasons there, Brian. However, he is their legitimately the best coach in air force history he has a record five seasons where he won six or more conference wins that's how bad air force basketball is i'm not going to say dave pilipovich has an incredible resume but he did have a middling amount of success at a really bad program well air force also has to my knowledge and look our, our comment section can correct me my understanding is air force has a uh, little bit of difficulty recruiting just about anyone because there you have to get into the air force and uh there's things like look. There's reason that service academies in football will run triple options because they're exactly. they're more limited in what they can recruit. That transcends into basketball as well. So, um, my take on Filipovich is he he most look Idaho's just lived through a dumpster fire. He would absolutely not be a dumpster fire hire. I think if you go Dave Filipovich, it's because you believe completely rehabbing Idaho is essentially a two coach process of coach one bring stability, which then lets you land a better coach for coach two. Um, I don't know if Pilipovich, when he's not at Air Force, is going to play slow it down the way Air Force does. And full disclosure, I hate watching that type of basketball. So he's not going to be particularly high on my list right now. If I found out today he was hired, I will again, essentially any coach that is is was not on the assistant coaching roster I'm, I'm going to be motivated to see, hey, what is, what's it going to be like at Idaho? So that's not meant to, to shit on Dave Pilipovich, but I, I do want to say a little bit skeptical about an older hire starting to move down the pecking order and whether um, that coach is going to be, is going to have the kind of motivation, the kind of drive uh, that you see from some of the younger guys who are still trying to prove themselves, guys like Dave Riley and Danny Sprinkle. Uh, when University of Montana, Last time that University of Montana dipped way out of their typical coaching uh, coaching pool for hire was Pat Kennedy from uh, DePaul, and he was a catastrophic failure. So not saying those two guys are the same, but I, I would be a little more concerned about this one, uh, maybe more than I should, maybe more than it's fair, Dallas, but I think you and me are both pretty te- – we're pretty tepid on Pilipovich right now. Or let's, that's, say, let's that's put it this way. We could be sold. But we are not yet sold. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, the, just, the resume doesn't scream off the page, but it doesn't also necessarily have to. Like, I mean, what has a resume ever meant for a coach? Yes, just because yeah. Zach Claus had a terrible resume and Shocker was a terrible head coach doesn't necessarily mean that the next guy might not might not jump off the page and still be a terrible coach. Pilipovich could come here and win 20 games three straight years, but on paper, resume just isn't quite as pretty as everybody else's. Well, the blemish is the getting fired at Air Force with a losing record, and we probably should acknowledge, look, there are head coaches who get fired at one place and then do well elsewhere. That mm -hmm. absolutely happens. There's also coaches who get fired at one place then do poorly at the next place and the next place. Look at Mark Fox, who the class father who just got fired at, at Cal Berkeley. He did great at during Nevada at when he was at Nevada, then he, went to Georgia was not that great. Then went to Cal and was worse. He almost um, had five wins this year, Brian. Well, he also almost had four wins this year, but anyway, I think we can move on from Pilipovich, Pilipovich saying, look, we would, we're open to the dude if, if he were the guy, but we would need someone to help explain why. Next on our next on the list, I want to talk about is now this is going to be another guy without head coaching experience, but reputationally, Amaro Morgan, assistant coach at Loyola University of Chicago, is uh, well respected in the low to mid major uh, world of basketball. Mm -hmm. Brett Hine from Weber State, uh, kind of I. I messaged, talk with him. He said he is Wade. He knows someone's going to make the right call and make Amaro Morgan a head coach at some point. Mm -hmm. But um, Amaro Morgan, I'm gonna I'll, I'll throw it to you. You've been on the on the bench for a little bit, Dallas. Uh, let us know a little bit about Amaro Morgan's background. So Brian, I, I got to preface this with of all of the the guys that we have looked at and and we have some reason to believe that there is either interest from them or that they have applied. Of all the guys who don't have head coaching experience, Amaro Morgan is the one I am most excited about. Uh, this is his second season at Loyola University of Chicago. Um, if anybody follows the NCAA tournament uh, or college basketball particularly well, obviously Loyola, pretty damn good program over there. Uh, their current coach, Drew Valentine, says this about Amaro Morgan, quote, extremely passionate, high energy, excels as a recruiter and on-floor coach. He's elite at building relationships. He's a future head coach and a rising star in basketball. So first off, I mean, again, we're talking about a guy who doesn't have any head coaching experience. We, we got to kind of draw on the, the stories type of thing. Uh, so current coach at Loyola, again, very good program. Thinks very highly of this guy. Before he was at Loyola, he was at South Alabama from 2018 to 2021. They won 54 wins in three years. He was named a top three assistant in the Sun Belt by Stadium, who's kind of involved with the athletic. They're kind of a mid-major media market um he's familiar with the big sky brian he played at idaho state two-time all big sky player he played in europe so he's got some he's got some pro experience he just doesn't have head coaching experience and then i don't know exactly what he has done as an assistant coach most of his coaching profiles speak to developing players which i mean phenomenal i mean but all coaches have to do player development so it's it's tough to know, but hearing what we've heard about his personality and like you said with Brett behind saying that somebody's going to make the right call and give this guy a shot. Idaho feels like a, a place this guy could take a shot. Like he played at Idaho state. He, he's got to know the big sky at least a little bit. Yeah. And he's, uh, he, he's pretty young too. I mean, he, his last season in the big sky, uh, he averaged 16 points a game then was Oh nine to 2009, 2010. Uh, what, look, I mean, Idaho State, 
the university itself, of course, they've had three winning seasons in the 21st century, but like you obviously don't hang that on a guy who's an assistant coach elsewhere. Now just acknowledging he's got big sky background was a good player in the big sky. Um, I got to tell you, he's intriguing. He's honestly, he's a foil to Dave Filipovich in that Filipovich has been around. It feels like he's established. You feel like, you know, the ceiling, but you know, the floor too. Um, Amara Morgan, look, he's what he's probably about 36, 37. So one of, he would be one of the younger coaches, not the youngest, but he'd be one of the younger coaches in the big sky. He'd be, if he were named head coach, he would be just a younger D one coach in general. He's a guy who it feels like with a, relatively diverse background as far as playing playing in the northwest playing in europe and then coaching in the midwest and the south you know there again you you know where the recruitment pipeline is you know where the potential connections for recruiting comes from um but the there because we haven't seen him be a head coach it's a and because he's younger than andy hill it's a little bit easy to read potential into an marl morgan hire um i I'm intrigued. I will say, look, relative to the guys we talk about, this is to me, this is the objectively the thinnest resume. Um, I mean, you maybe compare it to Jace Hurl, but Jace Hurl has been a head coach elsewhere. He's been an associate head coach elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean Morgan would not be a guy who would excel in the big sky, but Morgan, I would be both the tip off of the 23 24 season. I will in Moscow, I would be there simultaneously ecstatic and terrified mm -hmm. uh, because you wouldn't really, you just don't know based off that background, but. I will say, Brian, the, the one thing I like about Amora Morgan, when you look at the places he's been, every place he's been, he has been just moving up the ladder. There is no Andy Hill being at Utah for 10 years. And then the whole staff gets fired. Morgan has climbed his way up from, our Lady of the Lake University in San Antonio, Texas. He started at University of Illinois Springfield and then moved on to Our Lady of the Lake University. And as you look at the resume, uh, it, everywhere he's gone, again, he's been just an assistant. He has not been a head coach. But they're calling out, hey, 120 games. Hey, best season that this school had in 15 years. Like, the guy is on a trajectory upward, which is the one thing that makes me a little positively anxious if he were to be the guy yes the resume is thin but he is on an upward trajectory which is yeah is great and look i i don't mean the word thin there's look the word thin when you're talking about a resume is usually pejorative I don't, I don't mean it that way he's young young there are young coaches that we already referenced who have done well in the big sky who would have thinner resumes relative to older coaches because they, they can't invent extra experience so i guess to put a button on tomorrow morgan uh morgan higher though he doesn't have direct university of Idaho connections, it would feel like Golic taking a swing at getting her version of David Riley or Danny Sprinkle. Yeah. They don't have the connections, but going for a young guy who has been at places where it's worked out a guy who has energy that is going to be different than someone who's been here a while. And there are much worse things that could happen to Idaho basketball than to say, you know what, we're going to just do a 180 from what we were looking at previously uh, wouldn't put him again, wouldn't throw this put um, Morgan above a guy like Scott Garson or Jim Shaw on paper. But this is another guy who I'm going to say I'd be pretty dang stoked about. Um, if like, I, I would be more excited hearing Morgan was hired than like Pilipovich, even though Pilipovich might have a higher floor. But our producer, seducer Martin, is telling us we should probably do an ad read right now. 
And Dallas, you are no longer sick. So um, I'm going to let you take the wheel here. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandaloned and operated since 1976, and they are ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire damn country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882. Again, that's 800-262-1882. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. We're at our next tier of coaches, and the, the tiers are, again, there's going to be some different discussion about these dudes um, because we have reason to believe there is interest or contact has been made, but we're less certain or we're less confident in it than our last grouping of coaches. So that, that's the way we're moving down here, guys. No, None of this is rumors. None of this is us listing coaches we know exist. This is all based off research that we have reason to believe these guys are uh, – potentially in that pool of around a hundred or so applicants or hundred or more potential applicants. Um, this one to me stands out uh, Austin Clanch, head coach at nickel state. Um, spent a good time digging around on Austin Clanch because uh, look, and I got to give a shout out to low major madness on Twitter as one of the dudes who helped us out uh, in, in coming up with some reasonable names to be talking about low major mad, uh, low major madness, uh, re real informed dude. Absolutely worth your follow if you're paying attention to Big Sky Basketball. Um, Austin Clanch, one of the youngest coaches in, in Division I. Um, he's been a head coach at Nickel State since 2018. Can I correct you very quickly, Brian? Yes. He is the second youngest head coach in Division I basketball right now and was the youngest head coach for the previous three seasons until this one. Okay. That would – oh, he's younger than David Riley? He is younger than David Riley. Holy crap. Okay. Real impressive uh, resume relative to uh, relative to his his age. So he, he was an assistant. Dallas, he was an assistant at Nickel State from 2016, 2018. He's been the head coach at Nickel State since 2018. So, look, there's not a gigantic resume to talk about because the dude's pretty dang young. But at Nickel State, he's he's been good. Brian, he's been he's been very good. Of all the names, and I again, we're talking about him here because we're in the the sum to little to maybe just rumors area of of the coaching search and the names we've heard. But Austin Clanch might excite me as much, or maybe even more than Scott Garson. Austin Clanch has has done a very good job there. Uh, so he took over in 2018, 2019. Uh, after Richie Riley moved on uh, to South Alabama, uh, where he's been pretty decent. But uh, so he took over a, a team that had won 20 games. Head coach moves on. They promote, again, the youngest assistant up, kind of the same way that Eastern approached David Riley. Slightly different because David Riley's only coaching experiences at Eastern. We'll get into that here in a minute. But Austin Clanch, he actually got his very first Division One win against Idaho, 83-80 to 80 in 2018. He was the Southland Coach of the Year in 2021. He's gone 90 and 60 in the, in his first five years. He's won 20 games multiple times. They made the NIT last year. 
He, again, second youngest head coach in D1, uh, youngest up until this just this season. ESPN put him on their 40 under 40 list in 2020. Uh, and as an assistant before he obviously has been the head coach now for five years, uh, he was primarily responsible for point guard development. And as somebody who really did not like the way that Devontae Moffitt played basketball, I'm very excited by the potential of a point guard specific coach coming in to, to kind of clean up that position a little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm old school. I like the point guard having way more assists than shots. It's, it's just uh, ball distribution is key to me. Anyways, Brian, this is the guy I'm I'm probably most excited about. We've got his experience up here. He's only been a coach for 10 years. He started as an assistant coach at George Mason, was a grad manager at Clemson, had one year as an assistant coach there before he went to Nichols, and then he's been there ever since. Yeah, his time in his time at Nichols State. Um so yeah, he just he just concluded his fifth year, which that's in that's incredible relative to his age. So he's five year head coaching veteran. Um Nickel State first year finished ninth. Second year they tied for second. Consecutive years they finished first in conference standing. In so in twenty twenty one, they are fourteen and two in in the Southland. Twenty one twenty two they're eleven and three in the Southland. Then in 2022, 23, So this year they go sixteen fourteen finish fourth place. So relatively speaking, there was a bit of a rebuild that had to take place after that eighteen nineteen season. Um, weirdly he was able to recruit during covid which i was told is not possible uh, and the team has been at least stable in every season since clanches first in the southland uh, southland's a low lower major conference so that can help explain why a guy like a guy that coaching experience like this might be interested in the university of idaho uh, nickel state also has catastrophically terrible facilities i don't know if anyone remembers the was it 2018 2019 fcs playoffs when Nickel State's locker room outside for the opposing team was like a tent or a tarp or something like that. So you can again, that's a ICCU is going to attract some names that you are that people are going to be surprised about if you would be able to see every single person who's interested in the job. Everything we've been told is there's going to be a lot of good names that Gallic's going to get to sort through. And look, Clanch is absolutely one of them. Um, the only the only concern I really have about Clanch is uh, been told he's a guy who's been looking to hop out of nickels a few times that, uh, I mean, honestly, the Richie Riley at South Alabama, if he moves up, he may take Clanch with him as an assistant coach to move up a conference too. But um, apparently Clanch was also the number two for the Austin P job before Nate James got it. That was a couple of years ago. So he's a guy who it sounds like he's been looking to leave nickel state for a few years. And I just only bring up that reservation because like, like if someone makes Idaho stable, in two years in bales, it's still a representative win. Um, but I don't think anyone in the world is going to say that's the ideal outcome that ever, that we're looking for in the coaching search. So that's the thing that scares me about Clanch is he might be able to leave pretty quick. But the part that then makes me not scared is I think if he's truly interested in the Idaho job, it's because he thinks he can do a turnaround fast. And I'm all for after the We've spent a half decade of watching teams win less than 10 D1 games a year. So if Idaho, to get to their next developmental step, they have a 
good coach who bails after two or three years, but it's a new level of stability. I'm going to live with that. Uh, Clanch's teams are re- relatively solid scoring wise. His teams, you know, they, they've been averaging over 70 in that range. So pacing the pace, if you care about the aesthetic part is at least going to be intriguing. We're not talking about, you know, like the, the Pilipovich scoring of, you know, sub 60 game at air force. Yeah. Different constraints. But if you care about the aesthetics, Clanch is intriguing. If you care about results, He's got the best D- of the names we have available. Clanch has maybe the best D1 results, or at least at this level of confidence we're speaking. So yeah, Clanch would be launched up there. Of if if that name was announced, I'm I'm ecstatic as hell. And Brian, I do want to just quickly because uh, in case anybody's not uh, you know more a casual listener of Tubbs, the difference here between the football coaching search and the basketball coaching search. Obviously, Jason Eck has, at least on record, uh, spoken very heavily about FCS football and preferring that it, it feels more more like what college football used to be rather than all the money just being thrown around and uh, I mean, conference realignment destroying traditions and just it's all about the money. FCS feels like a little bit more of that natural college football feel, and that's what, what really attracts Eck to this level. And there are guys that will be FCS coaches, and then that, that's what they want to be. Idaho can be the top of the FCS. No question. I think we're already seeing that there's a building toward that. That's not possible in college basketball. Getting a coach to stay here for 16 years means you get a guy like Randy Ray. Randy Ray was a great coach at Weber for maybe the first 10, 12 years, probably stuck around a little too long, but made the NCAA tournament three times. Like that's that's huge. That's incredible. That's a, it's a Hall of Fame Big Sky career. So I do want to at least make sure that people are aware of that we're talking about Idaho is not going to go out here and hire a guy that's going to be Mark few and turn this program into a 25 straight years in the NCAA tournament. It's just, it's not possible. So and, I, to, to add to that, just because like you're talking about a point I made and you are correct. I, I'm probably expressing a little bit too much anxiety about the idea that a good guy would leave pretty quick. Cause you, the, the coaches who stay for a long time in the big sky recently, you'd mostly stay. They say they stayed, too long so that Mm. they couldn't leave even if they wanted to like randy ray he was a solid coach he he has the most wins in big sky history because he stayed for a long time the big sky just isn't a place where people stay that long it's where a lot of good coaching careers been started for sure but another example that is travis secure at montana who he probably should have left after his third or fourth season at um he stuck around he's not terrible but montana the intrigue around travis secure at other institutions is not what it once was so you're, the point you're bringing up is correct. Of If a guy is good and the big sky is not going to stay forever, I guess in my mind, Clanch would be a guy who I would be a little anxious he might leave after year two. And like two years would be a short amount. I'm inventing that number. That's a rectally drive number. But it's because he's mm-hmm. been good. He's a guy who could come to Idaho. Look, I know a lot of people are going to say, and I agree with this, that the next head coach should honestly parrot Jason X talking points of his press conference and call Idaho basketball sleeping giant. And you know what? I don't give a damn about that team hasn't been to the NCAA tournament in 30 years. This team has, has a fantastic arena. There's regional teams that have worse facilities, worse resources than Idaho who, who are doing better. So you're not going to tell me Eastern can make an NCAA tournament and Idaho can't. You're not going to tell me Montana State can make an NCAA tournament and Idaho can't compete for that. You're not going to be able to tell me some of the WCC schools that are not Gonzaga can be competitive and talked about as potential NCAA tournament teams and Idaho cannot. Uh, 
But anyway, to, to, so we can move on from Clodge. He'd be a kick-ass candidate. So Brian, that takes us into the the rumors area where maybe we don't have quite as solid uh, evidence that the coach may be or may not be interested in this. But I think the I think the right place to start here is with David Riley. Yeah, uh, because and I wanted to find rumors real quick. It's kind of like when we talked about similar when we talked about Bo Baldwin, the football search where like mm-hmm. we brought up like, Hey, like we think this is a little far fetched, but the name's coming up, man. We're not making it up. People are telling us the name. David Riley fits there of a, I'd call this lower likelihood outcome, but we're not inventing the names. We're reporting names. People are get people are giving mm-hmm. us. So Dallas, David Riley probably has a special place in your heart. So uh, I'm going to let you enunciate that. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of David Riley. So, guys, anybody who's not too familiar with David Riley, David Riley played at Whitworth here in Spokane. Uh, honestly, one of Whitworth's greatest players. He's in their Hall of Fame. Uh, he graduates from Whitworth at the same time that Jim Hayford leaves Whitworth to take the job at Eastern and saves that program from the... What they had Mike Burns, uh, Ray Giacoletti, um, Kirk Earlywine, who go Vandals, I uh, was an assistant here for a long time. A really, really rough stretch of basketball there. I know they had the uh Rodney Stuckey years, but outside of that, not a whole lot of success for Eastern over those 20 years before Hayford came around. Hayford comes around, he brings David Riley in as a GA, and he just works his way up. He has never coached anywhere other than Eastern. He came in as a GA, made his way onto the bench then slowly worked his way up as Hayford left, and then Leggins became the promoted coach. Then once Leggins left, they promoted Riley. Riley went 18 and 16 last year and then won the Big Sky this year. And not just like a, hey, he inherited the whole team. It was Shantae Leggins left and took most of the team and most of the coaches with him, and David Riley rebuilt this shit on the fly. His primary duties as an assistant were running the wings, running the offense. Brian, as you mentioned, there was Vanky Joyce, Bogdan Bliznuk, like, the wings at at Eastern have been pretty damn good since Riley's been there. He was named to the Under Armour 30 Under 30 list in 2017. His uncle, Mike, is about the one guy nicer in sports than Zach Kloss. If anybody knows the name Mike Riley, that means you at least have some love of some form of football out there. He's the former Oregon State coach multiple times, the coach of the San Diego Chargers. Unfortunately, the Nebraska Cornhuskers as well. That didn't work out super well. His grandfather, Bud Riley, was even an assistant coach here in the 60s. So if David Riley is looking to get out of the, say, not again, I'm projecting this here. If he's in a rut because he's been at Eastern for 12 years and he's looking to get out and start making his way up the coaching ladder to bigger and better schools, and moving on to Idaho, where uh, the facilities are a whole lot nicer, probably going to get a nice little pay raise. It's not the most far-fetched thing in the world, even if I would say this is probably not super likely to happen, Brian. Yeah, I I'm I want to I want to second that of only bringing this up because people brought up David Riley. You talked up the merits. I want to talk up like why it could potentially make sense. Just discussing it from the angle of hey, if. David Riley truly is interested in Idaho. What would make that make sense? Well, the first one would be that you'd have to expect he would not take Idaho job over Eastern without a significant pay increase. And we know that the Idaho hasn't released any figures about what they want their head coach to be paid, but 
Look, Don Verlum was paid two hundred forty-five thousand a year before before he was fired. I don't expect the next coach is going to get two forty-five, but Zach Kloss's base was one fifty when you factor in media, and there's no way this this contract is not going to be more than the one fifty. So you can imagine if a David Riley says, you know, if David Riley gets a two hundred twenty-five thousand dollar year offer at Idaho, and he can bring his assistants with him, uh, that he's already he's lived in the Northwest for a while. He's clearly okay living in this part of the country because as an assistant in those rosters, I bet he could have gone with Shantae Leggins to Portland. I bet he he's, would have had other offers, but he wanted to stay around and look in two years at Eastern, completely building from scratch. Look, Leggins, that team was 16 and eight overall. When Le- six, yeah, 16 and eight when Leggins left. Riley's first year, they go 18, 16, 11, and nine in Big Sky play this year. Eastern set the Big Sky Conference record for consecutive wins. Uh, they rolled off, rattled off 16 wins. Yeah, they closed out with three losses, but still very successful uh, season for for David Riley won the regular season championship. So if Idaho was able to do this, if Riley truly was interested in it, I'd be stoked. And look, maybe Riley also is looking at other places. You know, Jim Hayford leveraged um, Eastern to go to Seattle U. Shante Leggins leveraged Eastern to go to Portland. Both of those are steps up like salary wise, maybe prestige, but they're not actually better basketball schools in Eastern. You know, maybe David Riley's thinking, hey, I I'm hoping my next offer can be an can be an actual step up, as in a school that if we played Eastern this year, we'd beat them. And maybe he's a guy who says, "Well, if I return two schools around in four years, I bet someone's gonna gonna open the open up the checkbook for me." And I certainly hope that'd be the case. So, uh, Dave Riley also has been pretty inventive in recruiting for Eastern. The uh, simplest way, and there's Martin in the comment section. Uh, Riley's contract says he's making 131 at Eastern, so I mean, realistically, could almost double his he's not going to double his salary i doubt it but like if the salary is approaching verlin numbers then we are in the discussion of doubling the putting an other, extra 100k on your contract pretty good reason to move from chini to moscow yeah exactly exactly you get a move an hour and change virtually nothing changes except you live, get to live in a better town with way better facilities mm-hmm. and the other thing i want to add just to talk about his recruitment is he he's kind of to me the most unorthodox recruiter in the big sky and that he doesn't necessarily has a template. His template is if you're good, I'm going to find you. He's had transfers from lower level from sub D sub D one who've been contributors. He's had D one transfers who've been contributors. He's had guys like steel ventures. He recruit from Ellensburg, Washington who are contributors too. So really just kind of all over the place. And he's a guy who in his two years at Eastern, They've been fun offensively, but he's shown year to year he's willing to change based off the talent. In particular, this this year's team used Ethan Price quite a bit more than last year's team. So he's a guy who, look, he's going to run post-centric or wing-centric based on what his team does. And like a lot of Eastern teams, he teaches them to play confident, borderline cocky. And that makes people hate you when they're playing you. But when that's your team and you're winning, it's fun as hell. Anything else on David Riley before we rattle off our last couple guys? I mean... Brian, if David Riley was announced as the Idaho head coach, what would your reaction be? I'd be thinking about, I'd be planning to go watch in Boise for the conference tournament. I'd be thinking immediately, look, they might not win the league the first year, but they're going to be competitive. They're going to be, they're going to, we're finally going to get a win in that de facto home court advantage. Uh, I'd be ecstatic about David Riley. He's another guy who, hey, resume wise, it's quote unquote thin relative to his first head coaching job. He'd find. But what about you, Dallas? You hear David Riley? What are you saying? Hell shit, fuck yeah. 
that's that that is what my immediate reaction would be that that to me is the most solid we are going to turn this fucking program around right now that hire would if somehow they brought in a proven big sky winner pull them right off of the quote-unquote rival that that to me would speak volumes again i i think this is very unlikely to happen but I would be thrilled if this happened. This Riley of the names we've talked about would be the biggest statement hire. Absolutely. No question. But again, we're both on the same page. We're, we've spent time talking about it because we're interested, but of course, if we were gambling, most likely he's not close to most likely. Um, I got to give a shout out to captain 58. Ha ha. Fuck the eggs would be his reaction. I feel like there's probably a handful of people with that. I, you look, I think David Riley gets hired and right now there's not that much big sky antagonism towards Idaho because we've been good in football for one season and it's people are like, okay, sweet. We have another good big sky team because they're not used to losing to Idaho yet. So it's not annoying basketball. Look, it's been a joke for half a decade. We're, we're, we're not going to be labor. You can listen to all our old episodes where we go in depth but for years at this point, y- yes. Um, no one has any concerns about Idaho playing Idaho basketball. If David Riley was the guy, oh yeah, be turned around. But also, hey, if Austin Clonch was the guy, it'd be it would be a complete turnaround. If Scott Garson was the guy, there'd be a different respect for Idaho basketball, at least a different level of interest. Uh, last couple guys to run through. One is one's a name, uh, Mike Burns, assistant coach at Boise State. Again, this is another guy we're low, we're less confident of our info, but this is not bullshit that uh, people have brought up. The name Mike Burns. He's a longtime assistant coach. He was, as Dallas touched on earlier, former head coach at Eastern uh, for three years, uh, went eight and 20, 15, 15, then 15 and 14, those three seasons at Eastern. It's, and I got to, I just got to stop there. Those are not terrible seasons, and the guy got fired. Those it, would be Zach Kloss's three of Zach Kloss's four best seasons. No, that, that would have been a new contract. That would yeah. have been a new contract. For Absolutely. sure. For sure. So that's, I just want to hold that on Mike Burns. Cause like the, the dude got fired, then went to Spokane community college and they were 30 and two. So like, it's mm-hmm. the guy has certainly done well when he's had his longer head coaching runs, uh, seven and 13 at specific at just for just one season, uh, not really going to hang seven and 13 on like an interim type of season, but yep. Pacific, of course, at least looked elsewhere, which is a good thing to do. If you have an interim who's sub 500, but the, the big thing he, here, Dallas, before I kick it to you, is assistant coach at Boise State right now. Burns has a background of being a strong defensive coach, and then his his Eastern teams mm-hmm. were still relatively fun. Yeah, the Eastern teams were fine. Uh, again, he's a defensive-minded guy. Boise State was Ken Palm's 20th-ranked defense last season. They were 13th nationally in scoring defense. Not quite as strong this year, but again, a very still very strong defensive team. Again, they've got to win their tournament realistically to make the NCAA tournament. I don't, I don't think they're going to get in as unless they make it to the conference finals and, and play very well. They're they're on the fringe, but as much as I, it pains me to say it, like Boise State's program under Leon Rice is is pretty solid. Mike Burns, while he's been there, they've made three NITs. They've made an NCAA tournament appearance. Again, they were can, number two. Can in I jump in real here. quick? Go you're talking it. about defense. His last team he coached at Eastern Washington averaged 84 points a game. Damn. So like he's got a defensive background, but it's not Dick Bennett ball. Both yeah. teams are scoring, you know, for Which around 54. It's funny you say that because he was also a, an assistant under Dick Bennett at Wazoo. Uh, again, that's been quite a while, but he does have that on his resume as well. For me, Mike Burns would be a, 
The optics are going to be interesting. Hiring a Boise State assistant as the Idaho head coach. I don't know if you can quite get over that with some portions of the fan base, especially the part that's down in the center of the universe. But realistically, if you take the Boise State blinders off, this wouldn't be a terrible hire. He has head coaching experience. Again, not great at, at Eastern, but you know, solid. Not bad. Like, not terrible. Like, if this if this was the guy or uh, somebody with a comparable resume, it'd be like, okay, this Idaho is at least going to make steps toward being a competent team, which we haven't seen in, like you said, Brian, half a decade. Yeah. Mike Burns would be a less sexy hire than some of the, than like, let's say, Marl Morgan. But to me, Mike Burns, the if this is a guy you hire, what you the what Terry Golick is saying is look, I'm prioritizing us getting stable first. Yep, the floor is being raised here. Maybe yeah. not the ceiling as much, but the floor is 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 massively well, well, being raised. Well, keep in mind, Dallas. I mean, with how bad Idaho basketball has been, the floor is the ceiling. So, good so no, like a guy like Mike Burns, I would be more intrigued by Mike Burns than Dave Pilipovich. Yes, one hundred percent agree. The and the thing to me, it's more honestly more basketball itself that interests me about Mike Burns is having a guy. It's just it's unique to have a guy with a defensive background who also his teams when he coached were high scoring. So I'd be pretty stoked on that. Look in the comment section, Ron Loney saying Boise State leftovers. He's not. I wouldn't call that leftovers. The guy's done very well at Boise State. He's done very. He's done well for himself elsewhere. And I I gotta say, look, some I all of us got annoyed that Terry that Terry Gallick gave Klaus the shot he did, but the only, the positive thing I'll say is I have no doubt that if Terry Gallick thinks Mike Burns is the guy, she's not going to give a shit that he is at Boise state yep. right now. And that's the, to me, that's that the is right the call. right call. That's the absolutely right call. the right call. Yeah. So while he's at Boise state today, shit on him. But if he, if he becomes an Idaho coach, I'm going to be stoked for the Mike Burns era. Last name we got to talk about is um i mean this is this is the one and it's coach ron, bucket man sorry ron loney saying qu- quoting michael jordan the floor is the ceiling just having fun we we know we know ron we just want to at least exhaust the boise state point honestly thank you for giving us an excuse to talk about the boise state point man we we know same page um last guy i gotta talk about because we just look this is a name that it's on all vandals it's a, a guy who played for university of idaho joe cravens on guy as an announcer the state during, of idaho well, yeah, and sorry, Joe Cravens announced for the Big Sky Conference tournament brought up Chris Bauman as a guy that Idaho should look at. Uh, Chris Bauman, right now he is a junior college head coach at Odessa Community College. Or I think it's Odessa Community College, jun- junior college background. But uh, Dallas, you've been on the shelf for a little. I'll let you run through the Chris Bauman background. But again, like this is a name that comes up because there's a direct Idaho connection. You guys have probably noticed we have not been hammering Idaho connections. We've been hammering info we've been given. Yep. But this is a dude who has a different connection to Idaho that you can understand why that might warm some Vandals hearts. Exactly. So the resume here is is probably the most unique of any of the resumes. Uh, anybody who doesn't remember Chris Bauman, uh, he goes by uh, Coach Bucket now, which is great. Uh, but he was a former captain here at Idaho. Uh, his junior and senior years, he was a captain. He was a three-point specialist, uh, averaged I think eight or nine points a game. Uh, wasn't wasn't a you know like a big sky superstar, but is a is a beloved Vandal from quite a ways back in the day. Uh, he's been the head coach at Odessa Community College since 2018. He's been named the coach of their conference three times already. Uh, they've three-peated as conference regular season champs. Uh, they're currently in their whatever the I don't know enough about junior college basketball, but they're in their conference tournament or 
in the NJCAAs, whatever, wherever they're at there in the postseason stuff. Uh, he has been a head coach in the community college ranks for 17 years. He coached at Lamar Community College, then Garden City Community College, Trinity Valley Community College. Then he left that to go be an assistant under Tim Floyd for a couple years. And then now he's back at Odessa Community College. Uh, when he was back at Trinity Valley, the one before Odessa College, he went to the Elite Eight in 2014 and 2016, the Sweet 16 in 2015, or you know, the, the comparable Elite Eight, Sweet 16, whatever they call them in the junior college ranks. But three straight years with that that school took them to, again, the, the last 16 to the last eight. Odessa College, uh, not quite uh, the postseason success yet, but again, he's been named the coach of the year three times already in, in five years. The the guy is a proven winner as a head coach. But again, Brian, we're talking the only the only real experience he's got is at the junior college level outside of a couple of years under Tim Floyd at UTEP. Well, and you, uh, Tim Floyd was a very overall had a pretty dang successful career as yes. a college head coach. So also Tim Floyd, former University of Idaho coach. So look, there's there's another Idaho connection from back in the day, which is not an awful connection. You know, we, we talked about Jace Hurl having the Larry Eustachy connection. Chris Bauman has Tim Floyd connection to the biggest name, biggest last 30 years names in the uh, University of Idaho coaching history. Um, to me, his com- my comparison to him is kind of, I mean, I, honestly, I'm probably more confident that Bauman has applied in this job than some of the other guys we talked about, but I just don't have the direct info to say to say that. That's why he's bracketed here. He's. I'm going to compare him to Amaro Morgan in that Amaro Morgan has some kind of set, has some pretty interesting stops, but his resume is thinner in that no head coaching and he's younger. Uh, Chris Bauman graduated in or last played for Idaho in 1998, I believe. So he's you know a little bit. He's not old, but he's not young. Honestly, fits kind of that Jason Eck around age age marker. But Bauman doesn't have the D1 stops that make you you know, the kind of jump off the page minus UTEP, which is interesting. It's that he's been a good head junior college head coach who just hasn't jumped out at the head call the junior college ranking. Um, I know a lot of people are going to make the connection to David Farrar, who was a not successful Idaho coach. I would not make that comparison. It's different eras. And look, there are certainly junior college coaches who've guys who've moved up from JC and done fine at D one or fine at higher levels. So I would not write off a guy like Chris Bauman because David Farrar was a disappointment, however many years ago, but um, I'm intrigued. I would, I'd put him at the level that I probably would need to hear him talk a couple times. Cause I would be eager to be sold. But once I heard him talk and sound like a competent basketball coach, I would be on board. Uh, only reservation would be: Does he have the recruiting? Fo- does he have the the background in recruiting D one level players to make it work right away? I don't know. Um, but look, every coach, if you're going to come to Idaho, every single coach is going to have a hole of sorts, unless like the Austin Clauncher, David Riley things on the table because mm-hmm. there is no hole. But so now we look. We've run through those guys. Let's uh, do quick. We have one final ad read, and then I just want to spend a minute, Dallas, having you, so we can parse a couple of the candidates. Maybe give us give our top three or our top five Portland State number. But mm-hmm. got got to give a shout out, Nick Davis at Idaho. Nick does the best metal work in the. I'm going to say in the nation because I don't know anyone better. Dallas has a uh, custom LA Rams. It's, it's their actual logo, but Nick doesn't have his army of LA Rams orders. That was custom made for Dallas. This is something you can get that I'm holding. This is the eye with Vandal script. He does all the Idaho logos, both retro and modern. 
these are available at the bookstore, but if you contact Nick Davis directly at, at Idaho underscore Davis or go go through us at Tubbs the Club, we'll we'll make the connection too. Uh, he'll he'll sell it to you for eighty five bucks. That includes shipping. So Nick Davis's kick ass work is a kick ass vandal. Vandal support vandals. And he'll make just about anything you you want. Like Brian, you had uh, the Wazoo logo made for your brother, I believe. Nick has actually made the Wisconsin logo for Coach Jason Eck. He did. Just hit him up. If you've got something that you'd like to, hey, I I would love to have this in my house as a cool metal sign, reach out to Nick. The dude is fucking awesome with his metal work. I don't know if he'd be willing to make a Boise State one, but like maybe if you could keep it off the record, he would be interested in doing that in case we have any Broncos hate watching right now. But yeah, no, he, Nick's cool dude, guys. Uh, it, honestly, he does the best metal work I've seen. There's sometimes Costco sells stuff like this, and Nick's Nick's stuff is better and it's cheaper, way better. So yeah, two for two. So one point I want to hit on Dallas. We did not talk about Kermit Davis. Why did we not talk about Kermit Davis? Um, because Jesus Christ, no, that's why. Yeah, I yeah, sorry, that's a name that's been thrown around. We have no info whatsoever that anyone's in, that Kurt. Kermit Davis is interested in Idaho or Idaho is interested in Kermit Davis. I just wanted to address that because uh, again, like we, we did research for this. Some of these look just like the coaching search. We talked about a lot of names. Some of them turned out to absolutely be real. Uh, some of them, Hey, they realistically, some of them probably were not, but uh, all the names, this was not us sitting and making a list for fun. It, if there's a name on this list, it's because someone who's helping us out gave us that name, which is why Kermit Davis isn't on there. Is it's a rumored name because he has existed at Idaho, but I would at this point call the Kermit Davis talk absolute bullshit. So Dallas, let's do uh let's part of the names we have. Give me your top three. I mean, and this is this is in my own personal wish list, right? Yes, but like feel free to extrapolate one or two to include likelihood as part of your math. So Okay, well, I'm I'm not going to go with likelihood. I'm just going to address the likelihood. David Riley would be number one for me. I think David Riley, if I if Terry Golick somehow gets David Riley to come over here, I think that ignites a rivalry with Eastern more than it is already starting to slowly pick up a little bit. Um, he's a proven winner in this conference. He's a again, he's young, so he's probably hungry to get the hell out after three years. But that to me, number one. One number one candidate. I don't think it's going to happen again. I think the likelihood of this is one in a million. I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to see it. The ones that are more realistic, Scott Garson is absolutely number one for me. I think Scott Garson would be an incredible hire. He's a proven winner in the state of Idaho. He's had some incredible experience in the Pac-12. Does a really good job with the Santa Clara offense. I, I don't see any real negative drawbacks. And again, Brian, we talked about him last year as somebody that might be interested in the job if Zach Kloss was fired a year early like he should have been. Uh, after that, Brian, I got to go. I, honestly, I got to go with Austin Clunch as my as my third. If I were to give you top three, I would love to see Austin Clunch come in here. Again, even just knowing the guy's probably going to be here for three to five years and move on. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with getting a coach in here who quickly resets the program quickly does something good enough to get a better job elsewhere. I mean, what, what job was Zach Kloss going to get other than the worst assistant job at Montana state? If I mean, again, if Danny Sprinkle doesn't move on, if Danny Sprinkle moves on for some reason, they, let's say they win a game in the NCAA tournament, 
if Danny Sprinkle gets a Mountain West job, I would be shocked if he brought Zach Kloss there. Like, it is time for Idaho to be looking at coaches that have bright futures after Idaho and not just guys that are obviously not supposed to be serving up that contract. So I'm with you on uh, Riley Clunch of the top two, but I consider both of those two. David Riley, for sure, I consider less likely. Um, Austin Clunch, like it had been said, we, we've been told he's been trying actually trying to leave Nickel State for a little bit. So uh, I think there's probably a little bit more smoke around Austin Clunch than there would be around David Riley. But let's let's remove those two for a second, just saying, hey, well, what if they were not on our highest degree of confidence? Um of, of the guys on our highest highest or higher degrees of confidence, I would go Scott Garson, Jim Shaw. And then, man, it's, it's a toss-up between Andy Hill and Marlon Morgan because you're you're deciding out of those two, which background do you find the most intriguing? Um, do you find the breadth of experience of Andy Hill or do you find the kind of potential and the like, the, the apparent rising of, of a Marlon Morgan? But for sure, I'd put, I'd say... Scott Garson and Jim Shaw, man, those, those would be two kick-ass names if yep. if those two guys were there. Look, a lot of the names that we you guys could tell there's only a couple of names we even brought up we wouldn't be stoked about. Um, and realistically, because we know the comparison is being terrible, if Idaho basketball is fun next year, that's a representative win. Mm-hmm. So that, that we're, I'm not trying to hold the standard low or something like that, but I think this team can turn around pretty easy. And I, but I, and I think Idaho's. Would be shocked if Terry doesn't kind of go with the Kyle Bullsby background of at least have a guy who's proven he's been successful elsewhere, especially after mm-hmm. assistant hire that blew up in her face. Absolutely, but um, those are yeah. Fault, I guess put a but... button on it. Yeah, those those would be my. I'll I'll narrow it down of um, Scott Garson, Jim Shaw, and I'll say Andy Hill. See, and I I would have if we if we were going with just the ones that are more likely. I would have had Jace Hurl and um, Mario Morgan as my number three. I'd probably go Morgan overhill because I, I, again, I really want somebody that's young and energized and not wanting to be at Idaho for very long. That's the kind of coach I want for this basketball team. See, I, I'm the same, but I, the way I articulate that is after four years of what we saw, I want to watch someone who knows what he's doing. Fair. That's, and- that, that's, that's more than fair. Yeah. I want to watch somebody that's good at what they're doing. I have a slightly higher bar here. Well, look, if someone knows what they're doing, they're going to be good. But I just, I just mean that's the the to me why a guy like Andy Hill might stand out a teeny bit more than the other guys. But we're we're talking very small degree of difficulty of, of distance between these ones. There's mm-hmm. there's very few names we talked about that if I didn't hear if I heard Terry hired those guys, I would not immediately be stoked as hell and just bail on whatever I was supposed to be doing at work. Dallas, we have gone through an hour and a half. Brian, that's why I wore the Mercedes hat, because I knew we were going to be well off the pace today. Hour and a half for this episode. Impressive stuff. Talked a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Martin? You want to jump in? Uh, any? You want to weigh in at all? Well, I, I think, I mean, I'm just excited. It's going to be a new coach. The name's got me excited. I'm just ready for a new era. Some fresh produce, if you will. Yes. Yeah, you you want a new clientele to seduce. Yes. Okay. Well, fingers crossed, guys. Um, <coughs> episode wise, not we're not one hundred percent clear in the next episode is because we're kind of going off what when we get information and you know how that how that evolves. But uh, 
We do have spring football coming up in a few weeks. Uh, that starts off, what, March 26th is the first practice, Martin? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so look, we have spring football episodes coming up. We've got coaching updates. We'll keep you guys posted as they come. Uh, Dallas, any last words? Go Vandals. See, I thought you were going to go a different direction, be critical from behind your screen or microphone. See, I thought about that, but then I realized, who gives a shit? Because, yes, we're being critical, but also all of those gentlemen proved that they did not belong on the Idaho basketball court. So, oh, you're more dressed. Yeah. Anyway, hey guys, uh, thanks for thanks for coming. Go Vandals. Uh-huh.